Thanks for joining us today and each week right here for Encounter. We thank God for many years of coming to you through this faith ministry of expository Bible preaching on radio. And today we think about the theme, After Christmas, What? Even though Christmas may be past, I hope it's not over for you. So let me say, on this day after Christmas, for many who are listening to this broadcast, it will be the day after Christmas, may the blessings of the Christmas season remain with you today, and may they even linger into the new year, Lord willing. Christmas really does determine the way we live all year round. It should heighten our devotion and clarify our direction. God help us not to forget Christmas, but to let it affect us and change us and even deliver us from carnality. And after today's message, please stay tuned for further discussion and for some important information about Olford Ministries International. But now, here's my father, Dr. Stephen Olford, with today's message from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, entitled, After Christmas, What? wise men being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, departed into their own country another way. The theme that I have before me tonight is, after Christmas, what? Now the story of the Magi, the wise men who came from the East, is one of the most fascinating aspects of the entire narrative of the Nativity. We read that when they came to the city of Jerusalem, they asked the question, Where is he that is born? King of the Jews. That in itself is an astounding question because a person is never born king. A prince, but not a king. But here is one who is so extraordinary, someone who by revelation from heaven and through their study of the ancient scriptures had become king to them. And so they asked the question, where is he that is born king, king of the Jews? And we read that Herod and all the religious leaders in Jerusalem were troubled because of that saying. But notwithstanding this, those wise men continued on their journey. And guided by the star to the cradle of the Christ, they discerned in that infant Christ child the very one they were seeking. And they laid before him their gold and frankincense and myrrh. And after that tremendous experience, we read that being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. There was a difference after that encounter with the Christ child. They returned to their own country another way. Let me suggest to you Three thoughts that emerge from the consideration of this suggestive and impressive statement, another way. It is my prayer that this another way is going to mean to you, first of all, a devoted way of living. The wise men following that star came to the cradle of the Christ and we read that when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. 
And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was an act of an offering, an act of dedication. It was a symbolic response to that which they discerned in the face of that infant child. And I'm going to suggest to you, my friend, that you cannot see the Christ of Bethlehem and go back the same way. From now onwards, it's going to mean devoted living. For I want you to see in that gold the symbolic response, first of all, to the sovereignty of Christ. They presented unto him gold. This was the gift to a king. This was no ordinary child as far as those magi were concerned. As they knelt at that cradle, they looked into the eyes. They looked into the face. They looked into the person of a king. And they presented gold. And you can't yield him the gold of your love and devotion and go back the same way. After Christmas, what is going to be devoted living to Christ as King? But they presented unto him not only gold, but frankincense. And if gold is symbolic of their response to the sovereignty of Christ, frankincense is symbolic of their response to the deity of Christ. Frankincense is a gun. A gun distilled from balsam trees in the heat of summer. It was used in medicine in those days and still is used medically today. But it's very precious gum. It's gum that when put on hot coals burns up with a dense, fragrant odor. And when David talks about praying, he says, I will stretch up my hands in prayer to Jehovah and will offer my supplication of frankincense, of incense. It is significant in scripture of devout fervor. They had studied the ancient scriptures and scrolls wherever they had obtained them. They had received a revelation from heaven, however that revelation had come. And this one who was the babe of Bethlehem was not only a king, he was God. For we read and we read quite significantly and dramatically that they fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. And the word used there is not used the subjection merely to a king. It is the worship of God. Now I want to say in a day when men and women are beginning to lose the knowledge of the holy, in a day when people don't recognize that this babe of Bethlehem is not just the tinsel, not just the trees, not just the toys of Christmas, but this is the celebration of the coming into this world of God. God was manifest in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We need to recognize, as those magi did, that this one, this one we call the Christ child, was not only king, he was God of very God, clothed in flesh. There was submission, not only to his sovereignty. There was submission to his deity. But they gave him myrrh. They fell down and presented gifts to him and they opened gold, frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh is another gun taken from the myrrh tree. Also used in medicine. 
always used in the Old Testament at the time of burials. Now whether or not these magi understood that for which Christ was born, I'm not prepared to say, nor does the scripture say. But I'm going to state quite categorically that if these men, if these wise men had pierced through the scrolls of prophecy to discover that that for which the king, the God, came into this world was to die for us men and our salvation, then it was truly intelligent worship, truly wonderful worship. For as they bowed and they presented gold, this was symbolic of the response of his sovereignty and frankincense response to his deity and myrrh response to his ministry. For he'd come to do a work, he'd come to die, that you and I might live. And I don't believe any man can understand the simplicity of this story tonight and go back the same way you came. No one can bow before that cradle tonight and say, my king, my God, my savior, I respond to your sovereignty, to your deity, to your ministry, without going back another way. But not only was this devoted living, going back for them meant something more. It meant delivered living, for being warned of God that they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. Now, nobody can read this story without coming to the conclusion at once that Herod was a terrible man, a wicked man. Why, in that 16th verse, we read that when Herod saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts that are from two years and old and under according to the time he had diligently inquired of the wise men. He was a wicked man. And God warned these wise men that they should not return to Herod. And they went back another way. Not only a devoted way of living, but a delivered way of living. Why? For they were delivered from Herod. And the more we study this character Herod, the more we learn of the picture that he represents. And I'm going to suggest to you that he represents a twofold enemy. He represents the enemy of religious pretension. For will you notice, please, in verse 8, he said to those wise men, Go search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also, the liar. That was religious pretension. And I want to say that one of the greatest, greatest problems, yes, and plagues, that stalk the church of Jesus Christ and Christendom in particular at this Christmas time is what I'm going to call now religious pretension. You see, we're all religious. God has made us for himself. We have a God-shaped blank within us that only God himself can fill. Therefore, man must worship. But there's a vast difference between religious pretense and religious reality. And God said to those wise men, don't go back to Herod. He's a religious pretender. He doesn't mean to worship my son. No, not one bit. But there is another enemy that he represents. Herod not only represents the enemy of religious pretension, but Herod represents the enemy of malicious intention. When Herod saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wrath 
And he sent soldiers forth and they slew every child two years and under across the countryside until a wailing went up to heaven and mothers wouldn't be comforted. There was murder in his heart. Now it's an interesting thing, but outside of the reality of the Christian faith there are only two types of people who live in the world. Only two types of people who live in the world. One type is characterized by hypocrisy, religious pretension. The other type are characterized by, listen carefully, hostility, religious hostility, malicious intention. Now we've looked at the first type, religious intention. Tell me what he is and I'll come and worship him and he didn't mean it at all. He wanted a big show. He was going to bring his great retinue. He was going to bow down, discover where the child was and then do the rest. He was a hypocrite. But let me add, even worse than that is this malicious intention. Because as well as the religious hypocrite, there's the religious man and woman in our country today who would not only have the Bible out of our schools, who would not only have prayer out of our schools, but would delete the very name of God from our coins, from our Congress, from our country, and even from our churches. And if they had their way, they'd put every Christian to death. And if they had their way, they would completely and utterly do away with God. And some of them are theologians. And they wish tonight that God was dead. But he isn't. And I'm going to tell you, as the clouds gather and as the coming of the Lord draweth nigh, we're going to see this malicious intention demonstrate itself until it's finally summed up in the Antichrist. And outside of the reality of true Christianity, there are only two types who live. And it's one or the other. Religious pretension or malicious intention. Do you want to live a delivered life? Do you want to be saved from hypocrisy and hostility? From phoniness and a life of temper and a life of evil intentions? You can get that deliverance from this Christ child tonight because I'll tell you why he was born. He was born to save his people from their sins and he proved it because he died at Calvary's cross and shed his blood to make that possible. He rose from the dead and lives to make that possible. My last thought to you, and just a sentence, is this. That this other way is not only a way of devoted living. This other way is not only a way of delivered living. Thank God this other way is a way of directed living. For being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They'd come one way, but they went back another way. It was directed living. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that the way they came wasn't directed of God. Sure it was, because they followed the star. But God said, you're going back another way. And I want to show that you're obedient in that you've come this way, now you go back that way, because I tell you, and I want to tell you that one of the greatest truths of the Christian life is simply this, that a Christian is a man who knows where he's come from, where he is, and where he's going. And these wise men knew where they were going, and they went back another way, and they knew where they were going. And there are two things that the Bible says to us about this from our text. Number one is that this directed living was supernaturally communicated. They were warned of God. They were warned of God. 
Now how God spoke to them doesn't matter. What does concern us here tonight is that they were supernaturally directed. That guidance was supernaturally communicated. And I want to tell you, my friend, that you can go back another way. And instead of groveling along in the darkness, trying to find your way through life, you can know a life that's directed of God. For the Bible says, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before prepared that we should walk in them. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And I want to say to every young person here and every older person here, you can go out of this place to live a directed life, a directed life right down the middle of God's will. But not only was this guidance supernaturally communicated, I want you to notice that it was individually communicated. And being warned of God in a dream. Each heart was in tune with heaven. Now one of them was out of step. They went together to walk the way God had directed. And they went back another way. They went back another way. God is prepared to speak to you personally. Not only supernaturally, but individually. He's got a word of direction just for you. Just for you. For we have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and because of it, he's able to succor them who come to him. Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain grace and find mercy to help in the nick of time. And he who is our high priest is prepared to speak to you individually. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The Savior says, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you can come straight to him, straight to him, directly, personally. And they went back to their own country another way. You can go back to your own country, your own neighborhood, your own home, another way, a devoted way. A delivered way, a directed way, God's way. Why? Because you've seen in this babe of Bethlehem a sovereign, your God, your Savior. And in response to this revelation, you brought your gold to recognize his sovereignty. You brought your frankincense to recognize his deity. You brought your myrrh to recognize his ministry for you. And you prayed and you meant, oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. Thank you, Dad, for this amazing message from Matthew chapter 2, after Christmas, what? And we've just passed Christmas and we're looking toward the year end and of course into the next year, Lord willing, 2005. And this whole matter of direction and living a directed life is such a key thing. And I think very often at this time of the year, people are reconsidering things and looking back at the year that is just concluding 
and they look ahead to uh, the future and they think in terms of needing direction and changes that need to be made in their life and there may be someone listening right now who wants to live a more directed life in the year ahead. What can you say to them? Well, of course, David, the message that I've just delivered is based on that amazing statement concerning Herod. Herod wanted to come and worship the king, as he said, but there was nothing but malice and murder in his heart. And uh, God saw to it that he would never arrive at the cradle. And he warned the Magi, those wise men, to go back a different way so that he fooled the king, so to speak. And, uh, of course, he became more furious. And as we know, and history tells us, he killed all the children up to the age of the birth of the Lord Jesus, one of the greatest massacres in the history of the Bible. But there's a deep truth there. God warned those wise men to go back another way. And I don't think it's pressing the point in any way to draw from that the fact that once you have met the Christ and you have given your gifts represented in the frankincense and the myrrh and the gold, you can never be the same again you go back another way. And that led by God himself. And I don't know how anybody can intelligently come to understand the message of Christmas as expressed in those words, Jesus Christ the Lord, and ever go back the same way. Amen. We have trivialized this wonderful Advent event to such a point that, quite frankly, we just put our backs to it, and on we go as we've always gone. I think it should make the greatest difference in Christian homes, number one, Christian churches, number two, and through that, the community and the nation. Well, Dad, as we think about those wise men bringing their gifts and the fact that it was their response to what God was doing, and of course, the greatest gift has come to us in Christ. Indeed. It may be that someone listening has never really received God's gift. They've never really received the Son of God as their Savior and Lord. They've never really responded to Him, even as the wise men did here. How can they receive the gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all that comes in Him in terms of life and life abundant and eternal? Well, my friends, you've heard that question asked. You can bow your head right now where you are, and right now, unseen to natural eyes, the Christ who came at Bethlehem is the Christ of Calvary, is the Christ of victory, is the Christ of reality, is the Christ of salvation, full salvation. And unseen to natural eyes, he's real to faith, and you can ask him to step right into your life in virtue of all he's done for you in the shedding of his blood and his mighty triumphant resurrection, and you will be a changed, transformed person. That is New Testament conversion. That's New Testament transformation. That's New Testament change of direction. You can go back another way in your life. 
And I invite you to do that. Lord Jesus, you who came at Bethlehem, you who died at Calvary, you who rose from the tomb, you are alive now. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart, come into my life, and may my life be different. May I go back another way as of this moment. Pray that prayer, mean it, and I believe God's life will come into you and you will go back another way. This is David Olford. You have been listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Olford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, our web address is olford.org. That's O-L-F-O-R-D. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching, which can also be found on our website. Thank you so much for listening.